Let's begin with a word of prayer. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by the comfort and patience of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're on page uh, one in the in Lutheranism 101 in the White Book, if you're following along with that, which you don't really need to be, but if you are, 194. And then in the Red Hymnal, we're on page 194 also. How did they make that work out? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sign. Yeah, who knows? Um, is there coffee in there? Yes. Oh, okay. It's right there. Oh, okay, perfect. I'll probably walk over there in a second and get one. That would be fun. Oh. No, thank, thank you, Steve. I forgot to get something, I just realized. So. T-shirts are 1990. Okay. Bigger sizes are a little... All right, so we're moving into the uh, service of the sacrament. So um, if you remember, we've kind of divided up the divine service, our our main worship service that we do uh, together on Sunday mornings into two parts, the first being the service of the word and the second being the service of the sacrament. Now you can subdivide it a little bit more too. Um, hey. There you go. Hey. I think there should be enough hymnals around. Here's another one. Here's one here. Okay. I'm not using mine. You're, you're okay. I think you can keep it. So uh, you can subdivide the service a little bit more. You have the service of confession and absolution really kind of at the beginning, which is a little bit separate from the service of the word. And then in between the service of the word and service of the sacrament, you have the prayers of the church, which is what we left off on last week, which um, if you if you go back to that Acts 2 definition of church, right, um, you have the service of the word is the apostles' teaching, right? The breaking of the bread is the service of the sacrament. And then you have the prayers, which is the prayers of the church, and then, um, of course, all of that together um, as we're gathered to do those things is the fellowship. So um, it is kind of a, a nice distinction. But this this distinction of um, the service of the word and service of the sacrament mean the parts one and two, um, the two main acts, if you will, of the service or of the worship service of the divine service. Um, that's a very ancient distinction uh, that that's. That seems to be basically how Christians started worshiping right away in, in the early church, is you would have reading and preaching, and and then you'd have prayers and the sacrament. So uh, that that is how it is. So anyway, we're in the service of the sacrament, uh, page 194 in both books, so happens. And uh, we'll, we'll start with the preface. So... You've already heard part of the preface or the beginning part of the preface before because, again, it's this uh, salutation. So we're actually going to get the salutation 
three times. It's kind of a Trinitarian, if you will, salutation throughout the service. So once is right before the collect of the day in the service of the word. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. And then once is here uh, the, at the preface to the beginning of the service of the sacrament. Uh, the Lord be with you and with thy spirit. And then once again, right before the benediction. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. And then it's blessed be the Lord and um, and then the benediction. So uh, it's, it is kind of interesting. You get that three times, which is this fullness or at least this this godly number in the Bible. You get the salutation. Trinity. Yeah, the Trinity, right? The three times throughout the service. Um, but it, just as review, right, we already talked about it before when we talked about the salutation before the collect of the day. It's this blessing that's going back and forth between the pastor and the people, right? So the pastor blesses the people. He says, the Lord is with you. The Lord be with you. And um, notice there, too, it's the Lord be with you. It, it's a blessing. It's, it's a command almost. It's not just a wish, right? It's not like I, I hope the Lord is with you or I wish the Lord would be with you, but I don't really know. Right. It is it's it's almost a command. Right. The the Lord be with you. And um, there's I, I know I've talked about it before, but there's a article by John Kleinig, who's a Lutheran theologian. He's still living. He's from Australia. And it, it's called uh, Pastoring by Blessing. You can look it up on the Internet. But it's. <clears throat> Something that I, it's something I think about a lot. It's that article really has informed a lot of my ministry in a way. That um, one of the main jobs of the pastor, biblically, is to bless his people, right? Um, to give them the blessing of the Lord. And uh, so I, I was thinking about that because throughout the service of the sacrament, there's a lot of that going on, right? That we have the salutation here for one, the Lord be with you. And then um, later on, the other place I was thinking about it was in the dismissal from the communion table. That um, the now may this, the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in both body and soul to life everlasting. Um, that's a that's a blessing that's following after communion. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that more then. But so it starts out with this blessing: the Lord be with you. And then the people respond, and with thy spirit, which is, remember, recalling, um, it's a blessing to me, but it's recalling specifically the ordination of the pastor, right? That the, they receive the spirit in the same way that Jesus breathed on his disciples and gave them the spirit. Yeah, Steve. And, and also with you is in the first and second set. Yeah, and also with you is the um, newer, more modern version that's in the setting one and setting two. Yeah. Right, yeah, they're different, right? B is this action um, verb, right, in a way that there's there's something going on now, right? Is would imply that it's already happened. Um, but and, – and, of course, that wouldn't be untrue. Uh, the Lord is with you, right? That's a true statement. But um, the Lord be with you, I think, is more of this, this blessing. Yeah. 
Um, definitely all better than the Lord might be with you, right? <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. yeah uh, Luther has this great essay on hope. I don't remember where it is, where he talks about the difference between Christian hope and and worldly hope. Worldly hope is this wish, right? Like worldly hope is like, I hope I get to have a cold beer when I go home, right? You know, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Rebecca didn't put beer in the fridge, right? Whatever. But um, then Christian hope is this knowing, right? I have hope that I'm going to be raised again uh, from the dead, right? So I know that I'm going to be raised again from the dead. So it's that kind of same thing going on here. All right. Um, so then lift up your hearts. So the, and, and notice the word that's used for this part of the service of the sacrament, preface, right? So there's uh, the, the preface, which is going to uh, prepare us, right? It's like a preface to a book or a preface to a novel. It's kind of preparing us for what's about to come. And there's actually two parts to the preface if you kind of zoom out a little bit. There's the uh, this ordinary preference preface that's in every service. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is meet and right so to do. That's in every single service. But then there's the proper preface, which changes seasonally. So it is truly meet, right, and salutary, dot, dot, dot evermore praising you and saying and then that leads into the sanctus um, which we'll get into in a minute but the proper preface um it, it changes seasonally so during the season of trinity there's like three options that are like common proper prefaces but we get a, a, a special um proper preface during christmas during easter during lent during holy week um all of these different seasons you get these uh, I don't know if you've ever kind of heard the language that's used in those different times uh, during that proper preface. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, let me finish up the preface. But you get the preface has these kind of two parts. Um, but the point is that it's prepare it's preparing us to receive communion. So it's leading up to to the reception of communion. All right. So we have this back and forth blessing. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Where we're kind of um, blessing each other in preparation for communion. And then uh, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. And I really like the uh, Bible verse that they reference at the, on the, in the kind of margin there, Colossians 3.1. Mm-hmm. Someone want to, um, I can kind of tell you what it is. Someone want to read it though? Read that, Colossians 3.1. Yep. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. In Christ, in, hidden with Christ in God. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, set your hearts on things above, and your minds on things above. That 
so the pastor here says, lift up your hearts, and the congregation responds, we lift them up unto the Lord. And one of the things that that's recognizing, first of all, is that the people here preparing to receive communion, kind of preparatory, um, about to receive communion, that these people are true Christians, right? That because uh, this is something that um, if, if you think like an unbeliever can't, they really can't say, because um, an unbeliever can't, in and of themselves, lift up their heart unto the Lord, right? You have to have faith to lift your heart up to the Lord. Um, we can't. Uh, we're, we're, our will is bound in terms of spiritual matters when we don't have faith. And so uh, to lift up our hearts unto the Lord, this requires faith. And But it is this, this beautiful thing, right? That if, uh, as Paul argues, if there is, I, I think I'm mixing a verse from Philippians too, but if there is anything good and right, right, set your mind on those things, um, that this Lord is here. And he wants to give you his gifts. So this is the time to lift up your hearts unto the Lord. And um, talk about this maybe a little bit in the distribution too. But uh, there, this, the service of the sacrament, it really is the most reverent time, I think, of the divine service. I mean, the whole thing is supposed to be reverent, right? But... There's a, something a little bit different when it comes to the service of the sacrament and the Lord's Supper. That the things surrounding the, I mean, look at all the stuff surrounding the Lord's Supper. The preface, the proper preface, the Sanctus, um, when we sing holy, holy, holy. And uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the, the, the Lord's Prayer and then the, the words of institution and the Agnus Dei. All of it is proclaiming in one way or another that Christ is among us, that his presence is here. And if his presence is here, then what are we going to do? We're going to bow before him. We're going to humble ourselves before him. And we're going to magnify and glorify and worship him. And... Um, so we're lifting up our hearts, right? In other words, we're not looking at the things below anymore, right? We're not worried about uh, what's going on in the world below because something better is going on, right? Uh, the I think we've talked about this concept before, but um, the sometimes people, Lutherans, like to call the divine service um, heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. Right. And that's kind of what's what's going on here. Right. So we're lifting up our hearts to the things that are above because this is heaven on earth. And um, this is just a totally coincidental, but also very nice thing. Um, I love celebrating this moment every week here in this sanctuary, because up above the, the front doors is that Luther Rose stained glass and it's got the heart in the middle. And so whenever I say lift up your hearts, I can always look directly at that. It's very nice. You guys can't see it. <laughs> um, is, is the emphasis, uh, may other religions don't seem to make 
this an emphasis or just just No, I think that's true. I think um, the idea of heaven on earth is and 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 this whole idea of goddesses that we've been talking about that the the divine service is not just about us um, praising God while it is that, but it is just as much about us or about us receiving God, that God is coming to us and in in his gifts, he's coming to us with his presence. He's coming to us with his gospel. And, and I think that is a kind of Lutheran distinctive uh, that most people, if you say, what is worship? That they're going to say it's praising God, right? Something like that. Um, and actually, a lot of people today, if you ask them what worship is, they'll say, oh, well, whatever I want it to be, right? I mean, basically, <laughs> worship's me going out and fishing at the lake or worship is – Yeah, me being, being in nature, going on hikes or whatever, right? Um, but the, the Lutheran view is that worship is God coming to us with his gifts and us responding in prayer and praise. So I, I do think that is a somewhat of a Lutheran distinctive. Although I, I'll also say that um, the history of the church has that idea as well, that we're not alone in that. It's not new, right? It's something that we recovered. So, um, All right, so lift up your hearts. Uh, and it, let us give thanks to the Lord our God is meet and right so to do. Um, meet, uh, by the way, you can see in the hymnal, we got this little note, meet means fitting or proper. All right, so that's an old word. Um, but that's what it means, right? And um, again, there you can see the back and forth, right? That on one hand, we're recognizing Christ's presence among us. On the other hand, we're also saying we're going to respond to that in, in thanks, right? We're going to give thanks. And also notice, give thanks. Uh, the Greek word for give thanks is to Eucharist, which is another word for the Lord's Supper, right? And why, why are we going to give thanks? Well, Jesus also gave thanks, right? On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus gave thanks. So um, that's part of why that Psalm 136 there is included. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. When you say the word meat, it makes me think of the meat that you eat, but is that meat... Yeah, it's different. Because it has two E's, not an E and an A. Right? All right, so then the that's the preface, um, and that's the ordinary preface, right? It doesn't say ordinary preference, but if you remember this distinction between ordinary and proper, right? An ordinary is something that's in the service every week. A proper is something that can change week to week. So then we have the proper preface after that, um, which is this, this part that the pastor chants. Uh, it is truly me, right and salutary, so on and so forth, evermore praising you and saying... Um, and that, it, like I said, that can change season to season. So, for instance, um, let me see if I can remember this wording correctly. The um, Holy Week proper preface has this great line in it that, uh, as as the people as people were overcome by Satan. On a tree, likewise by the tree of the cross, might Satan be overcome? I don't know if you remember that line. Something like that. Anyway, it's this great little uh, turn of phrase in the proper preface in Holy Week. That's just one 
one of them, but the one we normally use in this common season right now, in the green season, is the one that goes something along the lines of uh, work. Because it's, it's a prayer, right? It's truly meet right and salutary that we should um, give at all times and all places, give thanks and praise, right? And to, to you, to the glory of God. And the common one that we're using right now says something along the lines of, uh, Christ who humbled himself by being born of a virgin. I remember that's like the first line in there. Anyway, uh, but yeah, the the what I would say is pay attention to the proper purposes, especially when they change season by season, because it'll it'll give these nice little seasonal flares, if you will, to the um, what's going on within the service of the sacrament. So, okay. Uh, the next thing is the Sanctus, which if you uh, look in the page 194 in the Lutheranism 101 book, uh, up in that little box, it gives you a pronunciation, the Sanctus, um, which is the Latin, and it just means holy, right? And the reason this is the holy, the song holy, is because it goes holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. Right, so um, that's where the word sanctus comes from. Yep. Uh, and so a couple different things here. Uh, so first of all, holy, holy, holy Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Does anyone know where that's from in the Bible? Last you, Sunday, 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 Sunday school lesson, right? Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Last Sunday, Sunday school lesson. Um, the Isaiah 6. And Isaiah 6, um, actually, if you come to Sunday school this, this coming Sunday, um, we're going to talk about this passage again. But it's where Isaiah is called by the Lord to be this prophet. And um, he's in the temple, and the glory of God comes, and he says, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And uh, the angel touches his mouth with a burning coal and purifies him. And the angels all sing, holy, 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 uh, Lord God Almighty. And uh, so that's where we get this first part. So again, what are we recognizing there when we're singing that? We're recognizing that we're in God's temple and that God's glory and presence is among us. Right? So and so interestingly, I there is something kind of nice about what Luther did with this, which we don't do. Um, but if you did look at setting five, which is kind of confusing, um, Luther, L- Luther's mass, which we don't really ever use, but that's what setting five is in the hymnal. I believe, actually I'll just check before I misspeak, that the Sanctus, Luther actually put right after the words of institution. So that... Um, yeah, and, and it's the he wrote a hymn for the Sanctus called Isaiah Mighty Seer in Days of Old, which is a great hymn. Um, but he put it right after the words of institution. So basically, uh, you the body and blood of Jesus would be consecrated there on the altar, and then we would all sing together, Holy, 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 right? Right after right after the consecration, which is kind of a nice thought, right? That um, the 
instead of putting the Sanctus before the, the consecration, it comes right afterwards. Which we do get a similar thing in that we do the Agnus Day right after the words of institution, which we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I do kind of like that, although I recognize that church history did not agree with Luther on that, so that's fine. Um, actually, just as a side note, if you do turn to hymn 960, we should learn this hymn sometime. It's a fantastic hymn. This is a it's written by Luther. It's it's a weird tune because it's um, there's only one line, and it never repeats itself. So it's not like a traditional hymn in that you get um, stanzas that are the same tune. You know, every stanza. It's just one stanza, basically. It's a one stanza hymn. So um, it goes. I'll see if I can not screw this up too royally, but it's. Uh, I say a mighty seer in days of old, the Lord of all in spirit did behold. High on a lofty throne in splendor bright, with robes that filled the temple courts with light. I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but um, it's actually a really pretty tune, and um, he Luther kind of gives this historical, if you will, setting to the Sanctus where he describes Isaiah, the mighty seer of days of old, in the temple. And then um, as you go on through the hymn, uh, you see the, the angels. And then, and then you, um, if you skip down to the kind of the end, the like third to last line on the first page, and with the other two aloft they soared, one to the other called and praised the Lord, Holy is God, the Lord of Sabaoth. Holy is God, the Lord of Sabaoth. Holy is God, the Lord of Sabaoth. His glory fills the heavens and the earth. The beams and lentils trembled at the cry, and clouds of smoke and wrapped the throne on high. Um, anyway, it's a great hymn. Uh, but the song, the song too, is first of all based on that, that, that holy, 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 uh, Lord God of Sabaoth. Okay. So anyway, we should learn that hymn sometime. That's all I was going to say. Um, Sabaoth. By the way, does anyone know what Sabaoth means? It's not Sabbath. So Sabbath means rest, and Sabbath is a we often use it to describe Sunday, right? Uh, the the day of rest or the the Lord's day. But Sabaoth means armies. So sometimes English translations will just translate it armies. Um, but the Lord God of armies um, is to describe his God's position, the Lord's position over the angels, right? So uh, who are God's hosts or God's armies? So you may have heard of Lord of hosts before as well. That's another. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord of Sabaoth um, is, Sabaoth is the, the old word for armies or host. The Lord's army is the angels, right? They're his warriors. They're the ones who fight, right? St. Michael, the archangel, fights Satan, right? It says in the, on 195 at the bottom that it's Hebrew for heavenly host. Oh, there you go. Look at that. So, yeah, Sabaoth is Hebrew for heavenly host. Perfect. Um, all right. So that uh, that's that's where we get that. So um, this is a, a very mighty song, if you will, right? Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. And um, I know I've talked before about what holiness is. I don't think we have time for that tonight, but yes. Um, 
I'll come back to you. What was I going to say? Let me know when you remember. All right. Um, and then we transition very quickly in the Sanctus from Isaiah 6 to Matthew 21. So Matthew 21 is Jesus' entry into Jerusalem before Holy Week riding on the donkey, right? And what do the people shout? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Um, if you look down at the bottom of the page again, Hosanna is a Hebrew word meaning save us now, right? So um, we're praying to God. So we recognize, and again, this is all in the context of the Lord's Supper, right? So in the Lord's Supper, in God's temple, Christ's presence is here. And we're singing to Christ, holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. Heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Save us now. Save us now. Save us in the highest. Um, because, again, Jesus is coming into our presence, just like he came into Jerusalem. right? And we're, we're um, praising him and we're bowing before him. And uh, we're saying, uh, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, there's a nice little liturgical thing that can happen here with this blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. It's not marked in the hymnal, although it probably should be. Um, But this is one of those places that traditionally Christians will cross themselves in the divine service, um, is the blessed is he. And so on one hand, we're saying blessed is Christ who comes in the name of the Lord, right, who's coming to us. But we also kind of get to be in Christ's position here, right? We get to come into the glory of God um, because we're going to partake of Christ's body and blood. And so uh, one of the places that you can cross yourself, all right, so there's a couple places that are marked already in the, in the, in the hymnal. So um, at the beginning of the service where it says, um, the sign of the cross may be made in all in remembrance of their baptism. It's got the little red cross and in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, people can cross themselves. Um, and then also at the end of the creed, um, it's got the little red cross. You can cross yourself at the end of the creed um, for the life of the world to come or the life everlasting. But then um, one, uh, you can oh also notice, well, we'll get there in a minute. There's during the words of institution, you can as well. But the um, it's not marked here, but this is one of the traditional places. Is after when when we say blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, and the reason is because we are blessed as the baptized to come into the name of the Lord. And um, again, the name of the Lord, right? That we have the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so that's our baptism. So we remember our baptism by crossing ourselves. Right, the name of Christ is put upon us. Um, so I always think that's very nice too, is that you can kind of, it's its a double entendre. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord is talking about Jesus, but it's also talking about us. All right, and then again we repeat, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. All right, any questions on the Sanctus? Yeah. Like, I noticed there's a significance of repeating things three times. Right, yeah. yeah. And then the Hosanna's, there's five, or there's three at the bottom of it. It's five that you're asking for God to save us. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Um, 
you know, we could talk about like what all the little numbers mean, but if you're repeating something a bunch of times, it's a big deal, <laughs> right? That's, that's good. I like that. All right. Uh, then we do the Lord's Prayer. Um, and it's, it's worth noting that we do the Lord's Prayer during the Lord's Supper service. And we don't just do the Lord's Prayer, you know, um, some other part during the service, right? We, we don't do the Lord's Prayer, for instance, during the prayers of the church. You would think if you're going to do the Lord's Prayer, maybe you do during the prayers of the church. But it's interesting that um, in the history of the, the common service here, which this, the by the way, the basic structure of this service, I'm sure I talked about this, but the basic structure of the divine service, especially setting three, the this is a descendant of what's called the common service, which was an English translation by a guy named Thomas Cranmer who wrote the Book of Common Prayer, which is still used by the Church of England or Anglican churches today, um, although it's been updated a bunch. And that was a translation from Roman Catholic, from the traditional Roman Catholic Mass. And you you can get into the history of this, but um, basically this is the d direct descendant of the way that Christians have been worshiping in Western Christianity. So the East, Eastern Christianity did something a little bit different. But Western Christianity has been using this basic structure of the divine service. Now things have been added in over time, right? We talked about that. But basically since like the 300s, this has been the service that we've used, right? And Roman Catholics have used it. Lutherans have used it. Anglicans have used it. Uh, Church of England, of, of course. Uh Methodists, Presbyterians, everyone used the same service, right? Now, of course, people, depending on their theological ideas, might leave things out or add things in. Um, but if you, even if, if you look at a, like a Presbyterian service today, while it doesn't look exactly like this because they've taken out a lot because of their view on what is their second commandment, um, the basic structure is still there. So um, this, and when we talk about like why are things in certain places, there's definitely been there's been hundreds and hundreds of years of thought put into this, right? It's not just random. So that's kind of why I bring that up. So it's interesting that the Lord's Prayer is not just in the prayers of the church, but it's in the service of the sacrament. And the reason for that is because if you look at the Lord's Prayer, every single petition is fulfilled in the Lord's Supper. Right, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God's name is being hallowed and doing what he said by having the Lord's Supper. Right, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is coming, his will is being done on earth in the Lord's Supper. Give us this day our daily bread. We are literally receiving God's daily bread in communion. Right, Forgive us our trespasses, our sins are being forgiven. This is the blood of the new covenant given to forgive your sins. Right? As we forgive those who trespass against us, right? We already talked about the connection of the sharing of the peace with communion, right? And that this communion is a is a table fellowship together. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, right? God is doing that when He gives us His body and His blood. Uh, so the Lord's Prayer comes right before the words of institution, and um, 
I remember hearing a pastor once uh, debating whether or not um, it, it's if you if you look at the history of it, it's always been put right next to the words of institution, and um, some pastors really do consider, and I I don't think this is wrong. I don't necessarily think it's necessarily right either, if that makes sense. But um, that the Lord's Prayer is really kind of part of the words of institution in this way. That um, you when when we pray when we say when the pastor says the um, words of institution over the elements, that part of that is including the Lord's Prayer. So uh, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case, but I think it really it it, it is. Um, very interesting that the Lord's Prayer is always right next to the words of institution. All right. Um, oh, speaking of which, I was going to ask. Uh, straw poll. Who, who hates singing the Lord's Prayer? Who loves singing it? Who doesn't care? You don't like it. You do like it. You like it. Two to one. All right. I don't care. I think I'll get I like it better as we do it. I feel like I don't. I'm in the no preference. I'm in the no preference camp, so I I don't have a dog in the horse. You like it? Okay. That's slightly more likes than and no preferences than dislikes. So, um, sorry, Julie. No, no. Oh, okay. So. Pastor Vanderbush just was like, I'm going to try it. And I was like, go for it. And um, and then I was when when I got back from from traveling, I was like, well, we'll just keep trying it a little bit and see how it goes. Yeah. So it's an experiment, but um, we may keep it. We may not. And we might we'll, we'll probably alternate back and forth, honestly. So <laughs> um, but we're going to try it again. Donna wrote a little bit of an accompaniment for it. Um, for us to all sing it together, so we'll we'll try it a little bit more and see. Yep. Okay, it's another like. All right. Well, <laughs> um, I was just wondering where where everyone's at on that. So, yeah, I I kind of don't have a preference. So, um. All right, so that's the Lord's Prayer. Um, the, then the words of our Lord are the words of institution. Um, the the old name for this, we talked about this when we talked about the Lord's Supper, is the uh, the verba, right? The verba domini. The words of our Lord. And uh, what do I want to say about the verba? Um, this is. Again, a place, I know I've said this before, I'm trying not to repeat too much of what I said when we covered the Lord's Supper as its own topic, but um, when I speak the words of institution as the called and ordained pastor of this place, I am doing so not in my own self, right? I'm, I'm speaking in the stead of Christ, right? In the same way that the absolution is... Um, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, right? That when I say this is my body given for you, I'm not saying this is Sawyer's body, right? Um, this is Jesus' body. And um, the 
we do get kind of like uh, Luther does with the uh, Sanctus, which we saw in that hymn. We do get this little bit of a historical introduction. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, now this is, of course, words directly from Scripture, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Um, one thing that I'll note, just because I'm kind of trying to focus this on the liturgy side of things, is uh, the if you go to a Calvinist church or a uh, what I'll call a Zwinglian church, uh, some, a church that believes that, um, well, Zwing, Zwinglian churches really won't do this. Ignore that. If you go to a Calvinist church, when they practice the Lord's Supper, one of the things that they'll often do is they will um, take the bread and they'll they'll hold it up while they're saying this. Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and they'll break it at that moment, which sounds on the surface like, yeah, that sounds good because Jesus broke the bread and now I'm breaking the bread, right? Um, and gave it to the disciples. But that w- that actually developed as a polemic or a kind of argument against the Lutherans um, in the in the Reformation era because they, what they were doing is they would break it and they would kind of shake it a minute and say and say, look, Jesus isn't here, right? Yeah. So um, Lutherans, for that reason, um, now I. I'll caveat this in a second. But Lutherans, for that reason, traditionally uh, never break it until after the words of institution, right? Uh, they'll break the they'll break the celebrants' host in fourths because it's a big host, but after the words of institution. Um, now, I caveat that by saying that's just a little historical fact. It doesn't really matter, right? Um, of course, if you break it, a piece of the piece of bread, then when he says broke because it says broke and so you're breaking it, that's fine. Um, and I have seen LCMS pastors do that, right? Just because it's like, oh, it makes sense. I'm just breaking it, right? And they maybe didn't learn that in church history class or were, you know, um, texting their friends during church history class or whatever the, the case may be. But um, yeah, so that's a that's just an interesting fact is that the, the Calvinists will say, oh, Jesus isn't here. He's in heaven, Right. So they'll they'll break it and 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 say oh he's not look he's not in the bread, um, okay. yeah. Did you write all that? Mm, that doesn't look like well it kind of looks like my handwriting <laughs> maybe. Yeah I don't know. <laughs> that must have been from an old Bible study. There you go. What's, I don't even remember what I. Uh, <laughs> it kind of looks like, but it, I don't know. Oh, that might have been from a cup from like a couple months ago when we went over the Lord's Supper. I might have. Oh, okay. Well, uh, somebody, yeah. somebody took it at heart. There you go. Um, I might have been teaching from that one and and used it and marked it up. Um. Anyway, I don't remember. Uh, so uh, the, he broke it and gave it to the disciples said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Oh, I was going to say this here too. Um, you, you see the little red cross there, and this is my body. Um, and then later down, this is the New Testament, in my blood. Um, you can cross yourself during those, those moments because we're recognizing there 
that uh, we are going to, as the baptized, uh, receive these things. And it also is kind of matching what I'm doing at the altar because those are the moments when I make the sign of the cross over the elements to say this that I'm blessing here, this is Jesus' body, and this that I'm blessing here, this is Jesus' blood. Um, and so uh, that that's going on, on on there when with those little red crosses. Um, we've already talked so extensively about the words of institution back when we did the Lord's Supper, so I'm not going to beat it to death here. I think I'll leave it at that. Um, all right, we'll move on to the Pax Domini, which is the peace of the Lord. I don't know why they leave some of the things in Latin and some of them not. Um, like, I don't know why they don't have Verba Domini over the words of our Lord, but then they have Pax Domini over the peace of the Lord. That doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, um, but the Pax Domini is the peace of the Lord, right? And so uh, we get the peace of the Lord be with you always. Um, amen. And uh, this one's great because it always catches people off guard. Not so much in the service when we have our bulletins and everything, but especially when I do shut-in visits. Um, they always want to say, and also with you, or and with thy spirit at this point, but it, but it's amen. So um, it's a good one. But um, right, yeah, the peace of the Lord. Uh, be, well, the, you, hear, you hear that be with you, and then it just, it like, like triggers the Lutheran brain to say, and I'll say, but um, it's always been amen. So uh, the and and really, um, th- this is actually a great little tidbit here, which I we we probably just gloss over it most of the time. But think about everything that we've been talking about. That what's happening in the Lord's Supper, and especially now that the consecration has happened. And the body and blood of Jesus is on the altar. That that's a scary proposition in a way, right? Um, like think about Isaiah in the temple. He was terrified because he was in the Lord's presence. And um, one of the reasons, like with the preface, that we do the salutation. Um, if you think back to the Old Testament, um, I know I've talked about this before. That they would. Before the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would go to make the sacrifice, they would tie a rope around his leg in case he died in there making the sacrifice, and uh, so they could pull him out, right? And so that's why, like with the preface, we do the salutation that we're blessing each other before we go and do this holy thing, and um, but then right after this this most holy thing happens, that the uh, Words of the the verba is said and the the consecration has happened. Um, what do we do? We say peace, right? That we didn't. We're not dead, right? Uh, we didn't uh, collapse because of the holiness of God, but that Christ has come among us to bring peace. Yeah, Steve. Also, uh, of course, this is based on somebody that made a movie about Martin Luther, but he was real conscious of it being holy and so he you can see the actor shaking almost when mm-hmm. he's doing the uh, communion right the first time you know? right yeah it's nerve it is nerve-wracking um i'm always most 
worried about forgetting words uh, at that at that time for the most part. Actually, for some reason, the benediction sometimes really gives me trouble. But um, pa- pastors do talk about this, that um, it's always good to have a book open, like the hymnal or whatever open with, with the words there in case you do go blank because uh, like practically, obviously, people just go blank sometimes. But um, theologically, I mean, I think that there is a the devil doesn't want you doing what you're doing there, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I do think that there is a, a temptation from the devil uh, trying to make things go wrong, right? I, I mean, I kind of joke about the devil being in our microphones, but I mean, you know, it's not really a joke. Yeah. Um, we got to talk about that at the council meeting this Sunday. We got we to figure that out. Um, anyway. That's a nice picture. You can show everyone later. All right. Um, it's a picture of a pastor breaking the bread when he said the bread part. Is he a Calvinist pastor? Must be. Yeah, must be. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, yeah, we get the peace of the Lord. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, Wells, yeah. Sounds like something he thought of, but it, it, it is interesting. It, yeah. it is. It was interesting, and it was accessible. If you think about it, it's a beautiful image. Yeah. Yeah. That's like... Um, yeah. Right. So um, the next thing is the Agnus Dei, which again is Latin for Lamb of God, Agnus Dei. And uh, this comes from John 1, when John the Baptist... Uh, sees Jesus coming, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? And so now we see Jesus coming to us in the bread and wine, and we say, O Christ, thou Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy, have mercy upon us. And uh, notice this this parallels the Kyrie. Right? So we've already said the Kyrie, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Now we get the Kyrie again combined with the Agnus Dei. Um, o Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. And then we repeat it again, have mercy on us. And then finally, in the last line, it's Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, grant us thy peace. Right. So again, we're kind of ending on peace. Right. So forgive our sins, forgive our sins, and give us peace. Okay. And then... Um, the next thing is the distribution. So I mean, I'm trying to think of what all I want to include here. So I think um, so. So theologically, 
the distribution, if you think about the word that we're using for it, that we're that we're going to distribute it, right? And um, the Lutheran confessions and the in the Augsburg Confession, um, when it talks about pastors, it says that no one should preach or administer the sacrament without a rightly ordered call. Now, there's been debate over the centuries over what all that is supposed to mean, but it that that basically it says, you know, it's saying there are two duties of pastors, right? To uh, preach and to administer the sacrament, to give it out, right? And I, th- I think um, that should show, on one hand, the importance or the, uh, again, the reverence that we've been talking about of this, this distribution. And so the, the reason I kind of bring that up is, or that I'm thinking about is if you, there are other churches, church bodies out there, right, that when they do communion, they'll just hand out prepackaged wafers right throughout the sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I mean, you kind of, kind of makes you laugh. On the other hand, it kind of makes you want to cry. Like it's, it's just so, yeah, it's so irreverent, right? Um, and well, yeah, there's that, there's that whole issue too, but um, that. This is, again, meant to be something, it's a gift of God, right? So it's coming from, if you, if you think about even the structure of the sanctuary, right? It's coming from the altar down to you, down to the to people. And it's, um, it's being distributed, right? In the, in the same way that Jesus at the feeding of the 4,000, feeding of the 5,000, right? That he, uh, he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and they distributed it, right? They handed it out. And so, um, the distribution is an important part, and obviously we take reverence here. Um, if you think about the the way that we now have a communion rail, even uh, so that we can kneel if you're able to uh, to receive uh, communion. And we also talked about um, during the during the when we talked about the Lord's Supper a couple months ago, um, the different ways in which people do receive it, right? The, uh, either on the tongue or in the hands with the host, and then um, either by the individual or the common cup with the with the um, blood. And I will say we've had a increase of a, a major increase of common cup people since we switched to not doing the common cup first, but doing it mixed in. Everybody, so um, that's good. I like that because there were pro- there were people who wanted to receive the common cup who weren't right. So. <laughs> I'm glad that people are receiving it now. I've also had an increase in people receiving the the host by the mouth. So, um, since I've taught on that a little bit, so um, you're always welcome to to experiment and try new things. <laughs> um, but it's it's been good. I like I like seeing uh, people try those things. So um, that's the distribution. Um, there's. And then there's that uh, dismissal too. Um, so the dismissal, I already kind of mentioned this before, and this is another point, right? With a little red cross, right? You can cross yourself. The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul until life everlasting depart in his peace. Um, again, peace, right? That the reason we've received this is not so that we're scared. The reason that we receive this is not um, 
to be concerned in any way about the holiness that we've received, but that we would have the forgiveness of sins, that we would have peace, right? And that it would strengthen us and preserve us in body and soul to life everlasting, right? And I like that it says body and soul, right? Because obviously um, the, the caloric content of the little wafer and the glass of wine is not that much, right? It's not going to strengthen us that much in the body in, in that sense. But, and, and, and obviously also, the forgiveness of sins is, is kind of focused on our soul, right? But nonetheless, this is a very bodily thing that we're doing, right? Um, and that it is strengthening us tangibly. It's our tangible and real interaction with the body and blood of Jesus. And so, of course, that's going to strengthen us bodily, right? That uh, our body and soul to life everlasting. Yeah. Well, we're at the beginning of it. We're lifting up our hearts, which is heart and soul, I guess. So when we do get that, it, it does go to the heart. Right. Yep. Why does this say on here uh, at the departed peace or Simeon's song? Yeah. So that's the next part. Uh, the nook dimittest. That's that uh, song that follows. Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace. According to that word, um, I can cover that real quick. It's we're at time, um, so I can start that next week as well. Uh, what do you guys want to do? Uh, yeah, we we can talk about that later. That's not on topic. <laughs> All right, um, we'll stop there for now. We'll we'll pick up the nook to minutes next week if that's okay, Annie. Um, yeah, we'll stop there for now. So that gets us through the words, uh, through the distribution, uh, which is good. And then we'll we'll finish kind of all the after communion stuff next week. The nook diminished through the benediction. So any final questions or comments for tonight? Um, let's end in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for all that you've done and for giving us the gift of your sacrament that we might receive your body and blood. And we pray that this would continue to strengthen us in body and soul until life everlasting. We pray this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.